0: My point is just simply that the victimhood mentality, right? The embracing being a victim, the embracing being marginalized, the embracing being oppressed, okay? If we're all trying to be oppressed, we're all trying to embrace that narrative, life does not reward that. Welcome back to the Unyielding Podcast, episode two. This is our first video podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about Anything and everything from a Christian perspective. Uh, I'm your host, Mike Van Meter, and I'm joined by four of my friends, and uh, we'll get to them in just a minute. I want to start by telling you guys a story that happened to me this week that I think you guys will appreciate. I was uh, took my kids and my wife out to dinner at Tacos El Gordo, because we're downtown. They have a Tacos El Gordo downtown. Shout out Tacos El Gordo, best taco shop in San Diego. And it's a little complicated how you order from Tacos El Gordo, um, but I always like to try to practice my Spanish when I'm there, which is... The menus in English, though D minus, yeah, yeah, but all the people speak Spanish, you know, and it's a lot of Spanish beers that go there. So I was, uh, it's originally from Tijuana, you know, so they speak Spanish. <laughs> Anyways, I was, uh, I was practicing my Spanish, and I, I messed, I made a mistake somewhere along the way because I accidentally doubled my order. I think I ordered from two different guys, but when the guy was bringing me, he was like, "You, you put your tray out," and he's putting tacos on the tray, and he's like, "Uh," he's like, he could tell I didn't speak Spanish. It's <laughs> like for here or to go. I was like, yeah, for here. And he's like, uh, it's a lot of food. I was like, yeah, I got a whole family. I got like <laughs> six kids and my wife upstairs. Like, oh, okay. And I just had flashbacks of the golden city Peking duck situation of, <laughs> that I was overordered and too much food. Anyways. Um, it was great. It ended up costing like a hundred bucks at tacos. Where i might plan on spending like 40, but whatever. Um, all right. We are, uh, coming back this week. This is our our first video episode, which we're really excited about. Henceforth, our episodes will be coming out on video. They'll be on YouTube and they'll be on all of our podcast uh, areas. So you can you can pick them up from wherever. Um, one of the things we want to just talk about is maybe give a little bit of perspective on why we're doing this and maybe even some perspective on why we're not doing this, uh, this podcast. And so um, basically our heart, our mind is that we want to challenge each other to live godly lives for jesus and we want to challenge you guys to live godly lives for jesus just unapologetically faithfully to god uh first and foremost more than everything we want to push jesus and and into every area of our life we want to live fully bring his lordship and his authority over every aspect of our life and um and that's a really exciting challenge when you get into it um and so that's that's kind of the podcast is going to be kind of meandering conversations. We usually come with some idea of of a topic to talk about, but we're just going to try to talk about from our life experience and our our experience of falling the Lord. Most of us for, you know, over twenty years for the most part, um, and and just see kind of you know what what comes of it. And the reason is because we've had these these conversations for a long time. But um, so I, that's kind of my idea behind doing. it. I know we have some other things. You guys want to add anything to that? um as far as like why are we doing this what the point is no i think you got it that was great yeah i mean i think that um
1: you know we're we're not necessarily i'll speak for myself but i'm not a, i'm not a podcast guy i don't <laughs> think any of us really are i mean spence he you know he's got the look he's a polished guy radio voice right good looking guy good looking guy um <laughs> i don't know what a podcast guy is well, something that that's like a, that, that the podcast that, that wants something that doing you this. expect that wants to be doing this <laughs> oh, okay. for the sake of podcasting, for the sake of broadcasting. Yes, yeah, so
0: right. I think podcast like I listen to podcasts. Oh, okay. and I do, I listen to podcasts, but
1: yeah. So I, I think that um, when you're talking about like why, are, what are some reasons that we're not, or what are, what are some reasons that um, that we are doing this? And I think that it's just uh, you know, it's it's kind of time, um, and I, it's been time, I think, to speak the truth boldly and um, and to kind of. Have a, um, a full kind of representation of the kingdom of God in all channels possible because there's so much out there now that's pushing um, against it and so much um, that is um, not true that I, I just feel, um, you know, it's, it's definitely time that whatever avenue we have, whatever channel we have to put out the truth of God's word, that we, we have a responsibility to do that. And I, I know that that was always the case but it just seems like things have kind of come together where we have this opportunity to, to do this podcast. And, um, and it's, it's kind of taking what we have done for years in our conversations, you know, taco Tuesday nights, meeting up, talking about life, praying together um, and kind of extending
0: the reach of that. So, yeah. I I think um a couple of things, I think that there's a lot of reasons not to do it, right. We're all busy. Uh, who's going to watch it. Does it, is it going to make an impact? Does it matter? Um, So some of it is just in faith, Lord, we want, to honor you and 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 hopefully this is something that is can be useful to him, um, and I think there's some value just putting stuff out there and saying, you know, Lord, do you want to use this in somebody's life? I think also, you know, if we kind of had a target, I think in my mind uh, we want anybody who is interested in living for Jesus to be in there. But I think maybe particularly just kind of young guys, you know, I think that that our experience coming up together, encouraging each other, I think that. If there's somebody who's going to find this podcast fruitful or encouraging, it's it's probably going to be uh, young guys who are trying to figure out their lives and figure out you know what's their next step, what's their next move in the world. That I think they're hopefully you know has some value. But I do think it's probably important to say, man, we're not experts in anything. Um, you know, you can. We want you to test everything that we say and do against the Word of God and against wise counsel, and and that be an encouragement to you guys.
2: Yeah, I think um, to add to that, fleshing ideas out in front of people and showing that transparency of, Hey, I think this, and and here's what the word says. And then someone else bringing a different perspective on application in life, I think is, is very difficult um, for men to do with each other. And so modeling that for young men, I think is, is ultra important. Um, The other aspect of it is sometimes it's hard to digest things. You know, when you read a book, sometimes these books are very weighty and very heavy, very high up there in concepts and so, when you're able to break things down to, into digestible parts, um, especially for young men that aren't as well read as Mike or Bo or everybody else here. Um, we, got it's a, good, a, we got the shout Yeah, out. yeah, you got the shout outs there. <laughs> and the other two. Yeah, then the, the <laughs> other three, all of us. <laughs> um, I think it's important to kind of uh, break it down into digestible um, points for people to be able to understand. Yeah.
1: Yeah. For me personally, while I'm doing it, I'm just tired of not talking about it. I, I feel like, you know, the Bible talks about live peaceably with all men as far as it's possible. And i I try to do that, but then there's also something in the Bible about saying peace, peace where there is no peace. You know, I feel like, I feel like I just, I've been trying to keep the peace and the peace. And there's just so much around us that is, uh, that is actually showing us that it's a war, that it's not peacetime. Um, and I think we just have to, I just have to engage. I'm tired of, I'm tired of letting it go on around me and not, not saying enough about it. Um believing it is one thing and having, you know, close friends and family that believe and um but there's a lot of people out there who are speaking, you know, so ill of the things that we know are true and good that um I'm just tired of I'm tired of it and I want to I want to talk more about it.
3: Yeah we've had a lot of fun doing this so I think this podcast is going to be fun and um that's one of the reasons I want to do it and I I think that is a good um it's a good thing to put out in the world like we we are trying to figure out how to be good Christian men and we have fun doing that. And that if we can share that out, um, I think that could be edifying for others. Um, I also, you said like, we're not experts. I'm kind of proud of that fact. I think there's, we, we achieve, um, a lot of effective wisdom on how to live in the world. Well, how to represent ourselves well as men and Christians, and we aren't experts. So I think that that can be, um, an encouragement to other people who, Right now, there's a lot of deferring to some power or experience or expertise
0: out out there that knows better. I don't always know that that's the case. Yeah, it's bonkers town out there. But speaking of fun, I thought for our second podcast, maybe we would jump off on the topic of race. (laughs) <laughs> um, which is obviously a fun one to talk about. Light topic. Days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, so you know, put your seatbelts on. If if you're looking for a really polite conversation where we try not to hurt anybody's feelings or anything, this is you should turn the channel. Um, that's which not, <laughs> not <to> saying <laughs> anymore. There's no channel. Yeah, yeah, I'm do talking it, yeah. to the kids out there. You guys go ahead and turn the channel There's <laughs> no uh, uh, channels. So I, I wanted to talk about because we I think all of us would be in agreement that there's just kind of a crazy what's been called wokeness, I think. Um, uh, currently, but it's all just kinds of worldliness and godlessness that's been going on in the culture uh, that really has, it seems like it culturally just has us in the grips right now. And um, and it seems like wokeness kind of hinges on kind of three areas, race, gender, and sexuality. The, those are kind of the the hinge points or the attack points uh, where where wokeness is coming in. You put climate in there? Yeah, climate's probably a thing, but... That's well, not woke? Well. <laughs> Well, I'm sure climate's woke. I'm sure it is. But yeah, climate's woke. It, woke. it seems like okay, fine, climate to the fish yeah, points. We could maybe find some more too. But but of those, there we go. Yeah, <laughs> of those of those 3, it seems like race, especially for Christians is the one that maybe they stumble on the most. Um, that seems like maybe the one that is the most kind of the, almost the gateway drug that opens the door for everything else. And I want to talk about why that is. And there was a there was a hilarious clip, maybe not hilarious, maybe it's a sad clip, on uh, Twitter this week of a woman, a black woman, getting arrested at Walmart for shoplifting. I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but the woman just repeats over and over again, she's screaming, "Walmart is racist! Walmart is racist! Walmart is racist!" And it's got the, all these people standing around and nobody's doing anything. So I thought it's just interesting that this woman is obviously, you know, whatever. She's not a real upstanding citizen she's not a real credible witness, but why is she yelling? Walmart is racist. Like she thinks that she's, she's picking up on something that she thinks that she's doing. She's being arrested for shoplifting. And her response to that is not, I wasn't shoplifting. It's not leave me alone. It's not this man is harassing me. It's Walmart is racist. And she's picking up on something that is, is obvious, uh, obviously going on in the culture. That seems like just in the last 10 years, man, things have gotten really bad. I I think uh, I actually looked up the Gallup poll numbers on this. I have it here. This is Gallup goes back a long time on race questions. But one of the questions they have is, is, um, what is uh, the white and black people, the, I'm sorry, would you say relationship between white and black people are very good, somewhat good, somewhat bad or very bad? So those are the four options, right? So this is the relationship between white people and black people. Among white people in 2001, 6% of those surveyed said that the relationship between white people and black people is very bad. In 2021, it rose to 21%. Okay so almost four times white respondents white respondents among black respondents in two thousand and one, eleven percent of people said that the relationship between white and blacks is is very bad, and in twenty twenty one thirty one percent of black people surveyed said that the relationship between blacks and whites is very bad and um, and if we go even further, it says that on um, the question of of for each of the following groups, please say whether you are satisfied, somewhat satisfied, somewhat dissatisfied, or very dissatisfied with the way that you are treated, um, uh, the, the way that, that people are treated. How about how black people are treated? Okay. So, in again, in 2001, 13% of white people said they're very dissatisfied with how black people are treated. And in 2020, it was 38%. Whoa. And in... Um, Among black people who were surveyed in 2001, it was 32% were very dissatisfied. And in 2021, over 20 year period, 65% were very dissatisfied. This is both very dissatisfied of how black people are treated? Yes, right. Specifically black people in this culture. And this has all kinds of these. I'm just picking a couple because we could go through and look at all kinds of different um, uh, survey data that just shows that people's view on how race is in America and the race relationships are at all-time lows. There's actually some of these surveys that go back to the 1960s and 1970s, and we are on par now with people's view on on race relations that it was back during Jim Crow and during the civil rights movement. It's really wild. What's interesting, though, if you compare that to uh, the actual data, right? So if you look at incarceration rates uh, among African-Americans are have been going down. They've been going down uh, since 2007. So we talk about mass incarceration being a, a major race issue, but it's actually been getting better for 15 years. Um, if you look at the unemployment rate among African-Americans, it's at an all-time low. If you look at the racial wealth gap, it's been closing uh, for a long time between blacks and whites. If you look at at um, how blacks, how many black people are killed by police? Um, it actually the actual data says that black people are less likely to be killed by police than white people are to be killed by police in similar situations. There's a, a survey by um, a, the, the largest meta survey done by Roland Fryer. He's an economist for um, for Harvard, and he got in a lot of trouble for that. But that's what that's what the data shows. And yet, LeBron James tweeted out during the uh, Ahmad Arbery um, situation. He said. We are literally talking about African-Americans. We're literally hunted every day, every time we step outside the comfort of our own homes. Okay, So here is what is one of the largest, most influential um, professional athletes. And he's saying that African-Americans are hunted every time they leave their house. Data doesn't back it up, but that is the sentiment that so many people have. So my question to you guys is why are things... If if by every metric racially things are improving and we are light years ahead of where we were at the civil rights movement, why is it that people have such a dim view of race relations and they think that they're getting worse? I mean, I think we talked about it last time. It's everything right now is kind of a race to the
1: bottom. The you know uh, if you are the most oppressed, the most victimized, the most uh, you know you have the most going wrong for you. Somehow that means you are excelling the most so you have the most opportunity i mean it's backwards but um yeah i think that's i think that's one of them is um i think where you could see victory you know in this you can see opportunity you can see um something good coming from it um i think uh yeah i think it's it's that's part of it it's just it's just a race to
0: to the bottom let's talk about that for a second because just that idea of victimhood you know there's certain things we can choose in society and, and culture and there's certain things we can't choose like you can't decide that gravity doesn't work anymore, right? You can't decide you're going to jump off a cliff and you're going to fly. Um, and, and, and it seems like the, the insanity of, of trying to race to the bottom or to embrace being a victim is such a terrible idea because life, the world that God designed, will not reward you for being a victim. It well, will not. I, I gotta, it would. Right. It would. There were things in place that would reward
3: blackness there was affirmative action so there there were mechanisms in place that being yeah, yeah, no. black was a was a, a mechanism or a tool that you could use no, so no no definitely was it the right tool was it a well, good thing contributed yeah, well, those, those things are in place now but it's not, it's not it's not
0: you're saying how it should? No, 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 no. Let me let me be clear what I'm saying. I'm, those, we can make all kinds of things like that. We can make affirmative action, but the the end result with affirmative action is a worse outcome. Okay, so like like if you just take yeah, affirmative but, action, but you're saying how did it get to where it's at? No, and that's in no. I'm not saying how do we get to where it's at. That's my my question of of why is this such a a thing? Race is such a thing, and I think there's lots of answer. But my my point is just simply that the victimhood mentality right the embracing being a victim the embracing being marginalized the embracing being oppressed okay if we're all trying to be oppressed we're all trying to embrace that narrative life does not reward that now we can put in some false rewards we can say okay well if you've been oppressed then you can go to ivy league colleges even if you don't have the grades even if you don't have but what happens when you go to the ivy league school do you know what the the number this state is hard to come by because it's it's really protected colleges don't want you to know it but the 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 data on students that are that are enrolled because that are accepted because they have lower test scores, but based on race, do worse. They end up in the bottom 20% of their of their classes. Many of them don't end up graduating. Many of them end up filtering into these majors that are worse. And so then when you get out, you're actually you you could have been, let's say, let's say you end up going to Harvard. You're gonna end up in the bottom 10% of the the class at Harvard, or you could have been in the top 20% of your class at USC. And the question is, what would be better? Would it be better for you to graduate, have a, a degree from Harvard where you're at the bottom 10% or a degree from U- USC where you're at the top 20%? But then you have to go get a job. And if you're incompetent, like let's say we hire based on race uh, preferences, right? And you have to go get a job and you're not going to perform as well. And who suffers because of that? Everybody ends up suffering. The whole quality of the culture ends up going down because of this. If I were an individual black person though, and I had- You um, are an individual if, black but that's person. that's what I'm saying, yeah, if, I'm thinking,
3: if I'm thinking from <laughs> okay. that vantage point- and there's a way for me to go to Harvard because they need another black person. Up until now, where we're starting to figure out that there's there's these nestled outcomes that are systematically not good.
0: I would have went to Harvard. I would obviously. So so that you're saying we how have, do we get there? No, I I'm not even again set, set aside that how do we get there? I'm saying I'm saying that we've set up perverse incentives. I agree. And these perverse incentives don't end up helping us in the long run. I agree. And so what we're doing by embracing the the victim mentality, it can there's a reason people are doing that, because it works for a minute, but then life comes at you and it doesn't work. You that runs out real quick and it might last. You might be able to ride on the backs of of a generation or two generations or three generations or four generations. But at some it's point a broad brush for the victim mentality though. I think that's that's in that's pulling too many things into
3: the victim mentality. That is a real issue. That's a part of the problem we're facing. Thing. But it's not all of what's creating the dynamic between black and white, or wherever these racial disparities are kind of blooming, even though all the data is saying we're advancing,
0: where there's these blooming tensions, it's not just people wanting to be victims. No, there's a whole lot more reasons. But let me just say the whole wokeism idea is predicated on sort of this Marxist idea that the people on the bottom are the ones that are abused by the oppressors, okay? And that whole thinking that is informing, that's kind of the the CRT idea of understanding all of life along these power dynamics. I'm saying to the degree that we embrace those, we're going to embrace what the outcome has been in every country where it's been adopted, which is poverty, which is uh, decline, which is brokenness. And I'm saying that that's where that stuff comes from. And I think that there's lots of other things going on. There's lots of other dynamics at work, but that one kind of permeates a lot of it and it's not helpful. Like we've had messed up race relations in the United States for since our inception for 400 years. And I think that's one of the reasons why this is such a kind of a complicated, difficult issue to, to try to figure out. Um, but I think that in ways that we're getting so much better, one of the things that is modern is happening. I think, I think the African-American community in many ways is worse than they were in the 1940s and fifties than they are today i think worse uh family wise worse outcomes uh even wealth that they uh ability to generate wealth and entrepreneurship and that kind of stuff if you look at the data from the 1940s it was really strong that the intact black family was had a mentality of we're going to do it ourselves we're not waiting for somebody to come rescue us we're not waiting for somebody to come help us and they were having really good outcomes they were having really kind of uh, amazing things that were happening and there's lots of reasons that 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 didn't work and that that people came against him, but I don't think the whole rescue um, uh, situation that I think the government, send the federal government in to rescue the African-American community is going to work, has worked. I think it's actually been- You additional. opened
3: with a question on like, why, why is this going on? Yeah. I, I think all of those things in part are true. I point to an individual Christian faith, individuals having a Christian faith and letting that form their ideas of race as the as the biggest element before the Marxists and the victimhood mentality and all of those things which are co- contributors i think you have m- as individuals move away from knowing how christ wants them to view another person that is the the root of the problematic out- outcomes i think it's identity too
1: i think it's uh you know we if you ask me to to rank you know how, what do i identify as um, you know, at the top of the list would be something like Christian, husband, father, man, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I don't think white would be on the list, whereas a lot of black people would say black, Christian, mother, you know, right? Like it it would be, uh, eh, you know, if I wake up thinking, how am I going to be a Christian today? There are some people that wake up thinking, how am I going to, what, what does it look like to be black today? And... You know, that idea like that is and with that changing and shifting with with the culture, I think that's where you it's some of his identity. It's 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 wanting to cling to something that's that's you that makes you, um, you know, that you're a part of that makes you, uh, you know, part of a group that I mean, you know, it's, it's that idea. So yeah, there's something about importance there in the identity or rank that um, we're, we are, first of all, you uh, created by God. We are creations of God made in his image that has to. And when, when that isn't the first kind of, um, you know, principle that makes up our identity, something's going to go awry to some degree or another, right? Like that has to be first. And I, so I think that Wick was Spence is saying, it's like, that has to be first. And when it's not, all kinds of of you know you put outcomes, anything, anything above anything it but yeah if we're talking about race right now that's that's something above it
2: I was gonna go a different route with the reason why and um I could be wrong but what I see is the definition of racism is changing yeah that, that's, and and so the the less what I see is the less racism there is in America the broader the definition of racism goes absolutely yeah and yeah. So, and so I'm growing up I mean, there were clear white supremacists and they were not afraid to flaunt that. And so that's what I identify as racism when someone's in your face. Now you have to, you're subconsciously yes. yeah. microaggression and you have to be so focused. You could not know you were being racist and be racist, and, which then you're, what What do you do from there? Then you have like, to be informed about it <laughs> yeah. and then feel guilty yeah. about something yeah. that I was never. And so the law, the that's the point. I think the definition of racism has broadened, and so now everything is racist.
0: And the other aspect of it is, well, is can we deal with that one? Let's just yeah, take please. it in, in pieces. Go, okay. So if we if we take that first thing, and, I, and let me, the identity thing, I think is part of the solution. So let's we're gonna obviously circle back to that because I think that is a, an important part. Of it. But if if we just think about the current, like when we started talking about race, right? One of the reasons kind of funny is because w- there's there's one black guy, uh, four three white guys, and kind of a Hispanic dude, and. Um, <laughs> Kind of, uh, and and we were yeah. like, hey, hey, <laughs> if we're gonna talk about race, like it's like, man, we all of a sudden want to be so careful because we're all trying to really like not step on a landmine, right? Like that's that's a product of the culture, sure. That like, dude, everything is racist, and it, and anything can be taken to be racist. Is why this woman who's caught shoplifting is yelling, Walmart is racist, right? Because she she actually knows there's a con going on there. It's it's a lie, and it's a lie that everyone. Has started to believe you know that, that that book that we all read together live not by lies right where the idea was at least don't repeat the lie mm. right and the lie is is that everything is racist and there's so many people that are going around thinking oh my my mom or dad who i grew up with who loved me my whole life or my friend who i've been friends with since i was little is racist because they don't buy into white privilege or whatever right and that is such a like a pernicious divisive lie that is trying to separate people out and the idea that we're going to expand the definition of racism to include everything right i mean just almost everything and this this idea of if you're not uh um you know anti-racist then you are racist you're part of the problem if you are if you don't consider yourself white then you're part of the problem you're racist for not considering white a major part of your identity that is part of the whole lie that has like snuck in here and has kind of corrupted everything. And even this conversation, you, you almost can't even have any kind of honest conversation about race without somebody being offended. Well, and the, the epitome of this craziness is, I don't know if you guys have seen it in the news,
2: two uh, woke people were murdered. And the people who murdered them, what was in New York and what was in like San Francisco? And they're obviously like white guilt advocates and... And they were murdered and the family members are saying, if this person was alive, they wouldn't want him to be prosecuted. Uh, This person who murdered him, they wouldn't want him to be prosecuted because they were black. Right? The the, the murderers were black. And so that's the epitome of where they almost see themselves as martyrs for a cause where the crime can get so bad or there can be something and they don't want them prosecuted for some of this. And that's the epitome that we've got to. So it could be as little as shoplifting, it's racist, or I'm willing to lay down my life and die it's 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 wild
1: where we've gotten where i mean you know growing up it was the con- you know the content of your character not the color of your skin that is such an amazing statement me saying that right now is racist yeah right if you say that today that we should judge each other based if you on quote the honorable dr king you, if we judge <laughs> yeah. each other based on our character right. not the color of our skin racist i mean i'm ra- i'm i'm white so i'm i have the disease I have diseased blood of racism flowing through me. According to everyone, I, my whole <laughs> my whole life and thinking and everything is deeply racist, right? I I can't escape it. I, whiteness is a disease, as far as you know. There's people who say stuff oh, like yeah, that. Oh yeah, no, I know. That's, which which is so racist, right? right? But it's like, but not today. Yeah, right. But even even if we go away from the fact that you know we're telling everybody that white that they're a disease, right? Okay, <laughs> let's we can deal with that later. But going back to Judging people on the content of their character, not the color of their skin, the fact that we've flipped it now where, hey, if you say it's like your story, someone murder someone else, clear. Oh, hold on. Today, he was black, they were white. Oh, that changes everything. Right. We literally flipped it to now we judge people on the color of their skin, not the content of their character.
3: It's so upside freaking down yeah it's, it's left is right right is left it's if you need to know the color of a person before you can you must understand know. the details and that's going to change your opinion on a murder you're you're doing something deeply wrong you're confused your mind is, yeah is is convoluted in a way that's just really harmful it's absurd and the outcome is chaos yeah yeah we've
1: embraced absurdity like you said yeah. up is down left is right right is wrong and when you embrace that across your society you get chaos
0: and that's what we're seeing which is what the bible out. says you call good evil and evil good right so um so certainly i think that's at work here i think one of the things though and this is one of the things i think we would want to try to approach with this with this podcast is is how do we how do we improve that because the lie keeps getting told and there's a lot of people who just are still just accepting what is kind of the the Soup du jour, like there's just the the beliefs of the day, the zeitgeist, right? They're just kind of accepting what they hear and what they believe, and okay, that must be true, and and there's all this kind of stuff where it's just being reinforced, right? If you look at the 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 news data on like how often, if a white person is killed by an African American, how often that. Uh, makes the news versus how often a black person is killed. If if a the if a white person is killed by if a white person is killed by the cops versus when a black person is killed by the cops. Uh, one of the, one of the interesting things is you can go through and look at. I mean, there's so many. There've been so many uh, situations with with the cops, right? Starting Mike Brown and and uh, uh, Eric, the guy from um Garner from New York, Eric, Eric Garner. You uh, you could just go through and look at so all these different police shootings, and there's actually almost a one-for-one example of a white person being killed by the police in almost the exact same circumstances, and you have you've never heard of those stories, right? Those stories are fit a narrative that is being sold and being fed to people, and the reason is is because it is a power dynamic that allows people to get power. Okay, and it's 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 typically people who are have some political gain or some some social credibility that they're trying to get some some uh, some ideology that they're advancing that is, is using race as this wedge issue to divide people. And so how do we, how do we bring that back? How do we get, how does, how does healing come into this? What does this look like? And I think this is where maybe we come back to the idea of identity and Christ. I, I think um, uh, Douglas Wilson has a, a great quote. He says basically the choices are Christ or chaos. Those are the only two options. If, if God is real, and if this is his world and we're his creation then we belong to him. And anytime we don't submit ourselves to him and his authority and and live uh, um, uh, cohesively according to his plan and according to his design, we're going to devolve into brokenness and chaos. And I think whatever we look for in secular answers is going to come up broke because there, there just isn't the answer. And so how do we as Christians begin to, to shift the conversation on race, or begin to to model something different in a way that is meaningful and can make a difference, I think it's it's diffi- really difficult because um, even this question, you know, how can we bring
1: healing as Christians to to a, a world that's broken with, with this concept of racism or this this broken idea of race? My answer to that um, eight years ago, ten years ago, is my answer today is probably much different than my answer would have been 10 years ago and yeah. that's not because because I've changed dramatically but I think you know 10 years ago my answer would probably be off the bat well prove to that person that you understand right it, get get into their shoes prove in some way that you understand the the history of the United States the, the roots of these things the the wounds the legitimate actual wounds in our country's right. history impact
0: of that find some way to say hey i get it where do we go from here right yeah you you understand black wall street you understand redlining you understand all these oppressive things that have been perpetrated on you know communities of color right right
1: establish some establish something through conversation through relationship where now you guys are standing instead of face to face in in opposition we're side by side we both get it to some degree we understand the facts we understand and now where, where do we go from here, right. and, and I think um, ideally that is still, uh, I think, what my approach would be. But I, I think um, because of where we're at now with with race and the concept of race, you can't prove it. You can't prove that you get it or that you um, that you have. You can't have enough compassion. Yeah, right. It's it is impossible if you look a certain way, or your ideology is is of a certain um, label to have enough compassion the best you can do is to be an ally and what that means is to be quiet and to without any kind of um critical thinking any kind of critical thinking anything to essentially just lay down be quiet and hope you don't get beat too bad Right, <laughs> like, but that's literally. I mean, that's the that's yeah. your position now. Right, that's your that's the only um, kind of road you have available if you're trying to go the pure compassion route. Right, and so what makes it really difficult is like, okay, well, where where are we at now? You know, there's a scripture, um, you know, talking about um throwing pearls to swine mm-hmm. that the, you throw these very valuable things to these pigs and they they just think you're throwing rocks at them and they just turn and trample you. Right, right. so at, at some point it's like. Can you have a nuanced enough, compassionate enough conversation in the current climate to to actually have an effect? Or are we now at a place where it takes something else? Um, And I don't know. I personally, I don't have a great answer to what that is. But it's something
2: like a conversation that we're having here. I think you could still have those conversations, though. I would hope. Just not with the activists. Sure, it depends on the people. It depends. it depends on the person. If you have this like person that's on the front lines, militant, then you're not going to get in a sh- all you can do is get in a shouting match with them, right? But I think if you just if you have a, someone that kind of is in the middle, it's kind of squirmish, doesn't know which way to go, and he's kind of towing the line, you could just plainly have a conversation with him, like, "Hey, that wasn't racism. He's just being a human being." you got to leave room for people to be a jerk once in a while and not interpret it as racist. I would add something on top of that. I think it's going to be really challenging when somebody who
3: is acting like an activist, and I don't know that you can articulate an argument for masses of people. So I don't know that you can post a statement somewhere on Twitter or, I'm myself, Facebook, or any of the places where you would post a big statement to have lots of people interact with and think it's going to produce that result. I think one-to-one, there are ways to connect with an individual. And the other thing I would add is oftentimes it's not during when they're heightened about the racial issue. They need to be seeing how we think about the laws and the truth of God before you get to that point. So there's scriptures and verses that God puts there for us to understand. In Revelations like 7-9, he talks about Every na- every tongue, every tribe is part of his kingdom. They need to be hearing that kind of stuff, not when we're having a George Floyd issue. He In Proverbs, he talks about how he hates detestable scales. So there's concepts that are deeply important that people need to be saturated in. And when we can represent those to them in opportunity, not not during the struggle, not when you're going to arm wrestle over if this last shooting was a racial shooting. Hey, uh, whatever. You're You're heated. You've got the whole world putting energy into how that viewpoint can work. But if I develop a relationship with people, they trust who I am, that I can be authentic. And I share those concepts over time. And that's how I live my life. That I do think wins people over time. It's not winning people one, you know, every day you're going to see this big cohort of people that just snap and their mind change. But I think it, it
0: produces a good work over time as we interact. So there's a couple of things there. One is is making a distinction between uh you know the the evangelist uh or the 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 apostle and the refugee, right? The person who is totally promoting mm-hmm. this kind of stuff and the person who is just kind of a bystander just going with the flow, right? So so one is is maybe doing that, but I want to push back on something cuz cuz I think there is a way i think part of the solution is we need to stop playing by their rules like i need to stop being scared of you calling me a racist but yeah because i think if as long as we're kind of allowing them like like i think we just need to treat them uh, um tommy barnett a long time ago said that you want your detractors to be like a barking dog at a speeding train right like dude it just doesn't it's like water off a duck's back doesn't hurt me you know, to whatever degree I can, uh, you know, socially exist. I, I, I agree. I want to get along with everybody. But I, I'm not, I'm going to tell the truth and I don't care if you don't like it. And I don't care if you're going to call me racist and I don't care. You know, it's, it's like that, that old adage of, you know, what do you call someone who's winning an argument with a, with a, a liberal, a racist, right? Like right. it's just at some point it becomes a pejorative that's used to try to control you and silence you and make yeah. you shut up.
1: If you, if you're still hanging your head when someone says you're white and that's wrong and you know. You're a disease, and you're like, oh, I am a disease. <laughs> the truth the truth <laughs> If you if you hear that every single day for the most ridiculous, thing, I mean, you get over. I mean, I don't care. I, there's so many things that you you know that are legitimate racism, and racism has lost all meaning now. And yeah. I'm racist just for sitting here white, which I actually don't think about on a daily basis. Me being white, I mean, that idea of like hanging your head still, I mean. Uh, yeah you gotta yeah. stop and the, like, and the
3: opposite is true and the opposite is true if you are an eth- ethnicity that's supposed to be oppressed and you believe that that's also true if you're a black person that thinks there's no way in this world for you to create success for yourself right. for you to be diligent hard-working master a craft and go out into the world and have that produce a good result you're also you're believing a racist lie and and god's word says if you like work diligently your work will be in front of like there's there's both sides of this if you're a white person who's just what was me i can't do anything i'm i'm afflicted with this this disease that's wrong if you're a black person that thinks you're continually oppressed and there's nothing you can do that's also wrong like there's there's a lot of false truths that people have just described into themselves that need to be uprooted and and some of that is this the thing about identity is if you wait if you wake
1: up and say how am i going to be white today wrong if you wake up and say, How am I going to have a black day? Wrong. Yeah. Right? Like, th- those don't, now, if there are beneficial things in your culture that you want to ascribe to, great. If they align with the Bible, great. But waking up saying, w- You know, what's black today? Let me find out and go do that.
3: That's not, or what shouldn't be white? Yeah. yeah. Like, culture, you know. Let's expand this out. What's yeah. Mexican today? That's what yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. what's Asian. What's, what's Asian? Yeah. Those are, the, from a Christian standpoint, that isn't. The way you best honor Christ, and that's always gonna that's always gonna be divisive. It's gonna put you at odds with living most fully in the world and embracing uh, a healthy, productive
0: um, uh, a vision on how to move forward. So I'll, I'll say, I think along the same lines is is, is that um, not buying into the whole thing um, and not being worried about what you're gonna say to me or about me. But then not only that. Um, but not believing what they say about other people. You know, when when other people get accused of being racist, like a lot of times we just oh man, I I bet somewhere in there he was kind of racist. Dude, like like I just I don't buy it. Like I I've seen so much mud I've seen so much mud slung and people accused. Somebody somebody accused um there's a whole thing going on. There's a, another pastor here in San Diego, Robert Herbie, he pastors all people's church. And he was accused by these people who he's trying to, they're trying to build a building in Del Cerro, And there's this organization that's, that's trying to make sure they don't build it there. And they have been going through all, combing through all of his sermons and all his information. He actually gave a sermon at Foothill's young adult conference, where he said that there was this girl that he met and he says, she looked like Jesus. And he said, I don't mean she physically looked like Jesus. Like she had blonde hair, blue eyes and, and was, was young, uh, clearly not a Jew, but, but she, she was like Jesus in, in her personality. And they were like, boo, anti-Semite, like you're anti-Semitic. He's saying that she doesn't look like a first century <laughs> Judean, which she clearly did not. And not only that, he's not, he's, he's, he's just saying she doesn't look like a man. For, like, it's so obviously not anti-Semitic, but they know that if they can call him anti-Semitic, that it'll make him toxic and maybe they'll get what they want for the land use. And so we have to stop believing what people are saying about the whole conversation, we need to reject that. And and I think part of the other thing we need to be aware of is we don't buy into it and go the opposite direction. If we start making everything about race and let's say you come at it from like a race realist perspective and you say, okay, let's look at the crime data on on African-Americans and white people and and Hispanics, right? You don't want to have that conversation about race. and And I don't want to go there either because I think we have deep cultural problems, but African-Americans have a murder rate that's five times the rate of of white people. That's crazy. You know what I mean? Like, like, and that's, that's mostly African American people being killed by other African American people. So we don't want to go try to get a tit for tat racial conversation. We, as Christians, we want to reject that whole thing. Like you were saying, it's not who we are. We are somebody that race is actually a fiction. We're all part of the human race. Like we all descend from Noah. You know, we're all of the yeah. I know yeah. We all descend <laughs> from Noah. Yeah, we the all L descend from Noah. That's <laughs> it. We're not we're not some some uh, easily definable thing by the color of our skin or the pigment of our skin. That's crazy. You know what I mean? And 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 it's never been understood that way. So I think we need to reject that whole thing. And I think we need to bring the gospel front and center on it. And so I think part of the answer, Bo, it's not. There's no easy solutions. I think in some way, we just it, the way we move forward is we start living our lives free from your your system that's trying to impose these definitions and these ideas on us that's not us, man. We have a better way. We follow the way of the master um, we're, we're Christians, we believe in the gospel, we believe that Jesus is after, like you said in revelation, every tribe, nation and tongue yeah. He wants people from every ethnos right, and so that's who we're after we're after bringing the gospel to bear on on every single person from every single way and god has put us here as ambassadors of christ and that's what we're doing here. i'm not trying to get involved in your race conversation man yeah i think that's i think that's good to live live
1: without partiality and and that's toward any person toward any yeah. toward any um you know identity or, or ethnicity or whatever the case uh is um that i'm not going to treat you worse because of some characteristic because of your, your skin color and also you don't get to say absurd untrue things because of your skin color and I accept that right so the scales are the scales it's true or it isn't it's good or it isn't your skin color does not factor into it so live without partiality and to do that on a daily basis and I think um, yeah that that's I think you know re- race used to be like you know growing up uh, the neighborhood we lived in you know Vinda Vista very diverse I honestly didn't think so much about race for so long in my life but we were surrounded by people from all different backgrounds. One of the best things, it used to be fun. It used to be, we had this uh, this uh, multicultural fair or something, right? Every time at, at Kearney High School, everyone would bring different food, right? Vietnamese, Filipino, Hmong, Afri- you know, African-American, whatever. I don't think there was white food, right? It was We were already past that. Cheeseburgers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Cheeseburgers and milk. Um, we were past that. But that was such a fun day because people wore, you know, traditional dress. You got to eat lumpia and all sorts, you know. It was great. Yeah. And it was like, what are the interesting things about your race? What's what's about your history? What, and yeah, there's some sad things. There's some good things. There's a lot of good things. that celebrate it. Yeah. And that was awesome. It was so much fun. And I didn't, every day I didn't wake up going, what are my friends, am I, you know, black, uh, white, uh, what does that mean for me? I just went to school. We just, you know, it was, it, it wasn't uh, on my mind and, and it was, hey, that guy's a jerk. Oh what color, what color it doesn't matter the guy is a you know right. it's the content of his character i, I mean it, it that idea and i'm so i think that is that was such a blessing early in my life where it didn't come to a point where it's where we're at now where it just blow it it does it blows my mind that we're in a place i mean but i see it i see the goodness of it in my kids right i my wife's black my kids are black and white they think about race once every two to three months, maybe, right? Like, um, hair color or, oh, this is a brown Barbie or whatever, right? Or, right. oh, that actor, oh, he, oh, he's black and white too, like you guys, right? Like, that kind of thing. It's kind of a fun, interesting thing. They don't wake up thinking, how am I going to, you know? And they're not looking out. They're not saying, how am I going to be oppressed today? They're also not saying, what part of me is diseased and, you know, all that. Like, it's in that. I see it kind of like from the mouth of babes. Like, I see... You should be aware, and you should be able to stand with people and hear things. And but like this idea that we've we've simplified things to an idiotic point where what color is your skin? No, no, no I don't want to hear about the character stuff. Yeah, you know, and it's and that is that's from the enemy, and that's a way to control people and simplify people. It it flattens people, black, white, Mexican, right? Like I don't want to hear anymore. Now we know everything we need to know about you, and obviously people are deeper than that. They should be, and we're trying to trying to simplify them and flatten them in a way. And it's,
3: it's you know. You know, I, I want to, I think that everything you're saying is right. And I think there's two things that come across over the last couple of things we've been saying. One of the things your kids and I was, um, from my my growing up, they, have, they are in close proximity to a mother and father of different race that love them. If you, part of the answer is getting in proximity to people that love you and what, as a kid, I was able to experience was like, I was a kid just growing up, and I saw a white person love me and would do anything for me, and I saw a black person, right. and so not everybody can be <laughs> interracial or, or mixed in that way. And um, but the the idea can be passed around is to love people authentically, starting with us as Christians, going out and loving people, and that that has a work a working in them. The other thing, so. I think that's something that we can do in our part. The other thing, though, it's it's heartbreaking in a way that we have to go past race because there are real racial issues to solve. Like we in our in this group did this thing. We need life to raise money to uh, to to open a pregnancy care clinic to help specific specifically to help a, a part of San Diego that is mostly black and Mexican people that didn't have an alternative other than Planned Parenthood would we, we don't believe in that that's wrong to us we don't believe in abortion so we wanted to proactively go make something and that it was to help and like you you cited that there the instances of murder in the black community are so high that's heartbreaking and it it is a racial issue and it I mean the concept of race whatever but it I don't want black people murdering black people. So it it doesn't even make sense not to try to address that racial issue. It's it's the conversation is so com- polluted and dominated by wokeness that we can't even get to actually helping. So in in your thing of like we ha- we do have to be a train and not worry about the barking dog, but it it can't be agnostic of race at this point because there are racial racially oriented problems that as Christians, I as a Christian and as the Christian community, I think we do want to speak into and affect and and alter. You know, like it, it, it's it's heartbreaking, and that takes a lot of boldness.
1: It does take yeah, boldness. It takes a lot of and, boldness, and, and, yeah. and
3: unequivocating. You, we can't be. I, I like the name of our podcast. I don't know how it got decided, but we can't be yielding on that. I do want to help save Black people's lives. I want Black people to be empowered to know the truth of God's word that if they work hard he makes a way for them. Don't worry about what LeBron James says. That's not the truth. The truth is when, you know, so it isn't racially oriented how
0: it's being set up, but it's not not racial. So, yeah. So let's, um, let's close it there. Um, We could obviously talk about this for a lot longer because there's so much involved in it, but I just want to bring it back to a couple things. I think, you know, one of the things the Bible says is that God has made us to be light in the world, uh, you know, a city set on a hill. Right. And the, the idea is, is that you're a traveler traveling along a dark road and you see out in the distance, a big city lit up that you want to say, man, if, if I can get there, if I can get inside the walls of that city, I'll be safe. Right. It's, it's dangerous to be out on the road. There's, there's wild animals and there's robbers and there's all kinds of stuff. But if I can get in the city, I'll be safe. And I think us living our lives in a way where, man, we're modeling, uh, the kind of biblical racial harmony that we see in the scriptures. We're loving each other. We're serving each other. At one point in our home group, I think we had 10 of our 12 marriages in like a three-year span were interracial marriages, but I thought it was cool. I was kind of bummed I married a white woman. Um, but, but, you know, the, the idea... To listen to Hannah, this you're great. <laughs> I, We love you. It turned out pretty good that... Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, the, the, the point or the idea is, is that, man, we want to model what that looks like from a Christian perspective and, and something beautiful and something good and something that we're, we're after. And I think that's the, the picture we want them to get to. Thank you guys for joining us on Yielding, Unyielding Podcast. We'll be back um, next time with episode number three, and we look forward to seeing you again.